0: good morning everybody and that was a lot to try to change on the stage and so I'm, I'm a little lost up here at the moment uh, well anyway good morning Benton North Christian Church family my name is Barry Steiner I'm the family and student pastor here at BCC and I'm also currently serving as the interim senior pastor as well during this time and uh, I hope you have your Bibles this morning and if you do I would like for you, if you could, to go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, and just kind of hold that uh, as we get started this morning. Today, we're going to continue looking at the series that we've been going through uh, called Are We There Yet? And, And during this series, we've been asking you the question of where are you in your spiritual growth life? Like, where are you at? And so far, we've... We've been looking at this, this chart um, over here to my, uh, my left, your right, that uh, was developed by a man by the name of Jim Putman. And he wrote a book called Real Life Discipleship. And Evan and I kind of went through that together and we thought, you know what, there's a lot of stuff here that we feel like God is laying on our heart that we can hopefully share with you. And so where are you today? Where are you spiritually? As we look at this chart you know are you are you kind of floating here in the spiritually dead stage. We talked about this and and I hope after last week many of you have kind of gone through the born again stage that you now are either in the infant the child the young adult and the parent stage but it's important to be able for us to define where we're at and and listen if you can't define today don't worry because we still have yet to go through each and every one of these stages, but we're going to go through the spiritual infant stage this morning. As we begin, I want to remind all of us that really through this series, it's our hope, it's our intent that we'll be speaking to each of you kind of on two levels. And the first level is this, where are you at? Uh, like I said earlier, where, where are you on this? Can you define where you are at spiritually right now in your walk with God in your walk with Jesus Christ. And secondly... Each of us who've accepted Christ, we are a disciple maker, or we should be a disciple maker. So it's our hope and intent that each and every one of us would be able to learn the characteristics of what these stages look like, and so each and every one of us can maybe come along the side of somebody who may not be quite as mature spiritually as we are. How can we come beside them? How can we partner with them in their life, and how can we help disciple them to move them from one stage to the next? If you remember last week, we looked at one of Jesus' most profound statements that's found in Scripture. It's found in John chapter 3, verse 3, where it says this It says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So becoming a Christian for all of us is a new beginning. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, he or she passes from spiritual death into life, from being, born, um, from being spiritually dead, born again, and becoming a spiritual infant. So this morning, like I said, we want to focus on this quadrant right here. What does it look like to be a spiritual infant? Regardless of our physical age, so regardless of how old we are, right where we are at, you know, when we first become believers, each and every one of us is right here an infant. This is where we start. We can't jump ahead. Everybody who accepts Christ when they're a new believer starts as an infant, and this begins the process of discipleship. The process of discipleship, what it does is it leads us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And when it's an infant, it's just begun, so it's exciting. And so I have to say, I absolutely love spiritual infants. There's so many things I love and admire about them because they're still in the honeymoon stage, if you would, of their relationship with God. They're often excited about their faith and they can become very, very passionate for Jesus New believers or or infants, sometimes they do the best job of telling their friends or testifying about who Jesus is because it is so new and it's so fresh on their minds. This transition from death to life for them has made a huge impact on their life and they can't help but wanna share it with people. Man, oh, to be an infant again, right? Sometimes I wish I still had that same enthusiasm and that same passion. There's a lot to be said for being an infant. However, there's also a downside to being an infant. And I think, I think what it is is this. There's a lot of people who've been a Christian for a very long time, but they're stuck. They're stuck right here in this infancy stage. And they're content to just stay there. You know, they've not grown up spiritually whatsoever since they accepted Christ and they were born again. You know, most of the time, church attendance is all they know of the Christian life. So just coming in and, and sitting in the congregation each and every Sunday. Yes, they may have accepted Christ as their Savior, but they don't really know much about what it means to be a Christian. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at the need for each and every one of us of why we need to grow up. Why does Jesus expect for us to grow up and not stay in this infancy stage? But I also want to be able to look at just a few of the characteristics of this, um, of this stage. Um, and so we're going to do that this morning. And next week, what I hope to accomplish, what I want to do is I want to follow up by defining what, a, what an infant's spiritual growth needs are. Now, I came across an article uh, just a short time ago, and it was, it's called Mega Church Downsizes, Cuts Non-Essential Members. It was written by a man by the name of Joel Kirkpatrick, and I'd like to share that with you if I could. In it, he writes this. He says, Julie and Bob Clark were stunned to receive a letter from the church in July asking them to either participate in the life of the church or worship elsewhere. They were basically calling us freeloaders, says Julie Clark. Well, we were freeloaders, said Bob Clark. You know, in a trend that may single rough times for many wallflower Christians, megachurch with um, uh, faith community of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, um, has asked their non-participating members to stop attending. Bigger is not always better. Um, no more Mr. Nice Church, says the executive minister. Providing free services indefinitely to complacent Christians is not our mission. Freeloading Christians were straining our church nursery and facility resources and harming the church's ability to reach the lost, says the pastor. When your bottom line is about saving souls, you get impatient with people who interfere with that goal. So faith communities sent polite but firm letters um, to families who had attended church services and other free events, but had never volunteered had never tithed, and did not belong to any small group or other ministry of the church. The church says that it estimates that 8,000 of its regular members have never volunteered, or, or half of them, I should say, have never volunteered in the past three years, and over a third of them have never given financially to the church. Before now, we made people feel comfortable and welcome, says a staff member, but that's changed. We're done being the community nanny. Surprisingly, though, listen to what it says. It says the move to disinvite people has drawn a positive response from men who, in the community who like the church's in-your-face approach. Um, he says, I thought a church that doesn't allow sissies, that is awesome, says Bob Clark, who admires the church more since they actually told him to get lost. In the article actually, it says this, it says, P.S., This is not a true story, um, though we wish it were. Um, This was written for a satirical um, publication. And it seems rather harsh, but I I believe it's not really too far off from what the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, although I think he did it in a little bit nicer way. And so um, if we could, I'd like to read this uh, fourth chapter uh, of uh, the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 16. So what I want us to see this morning is this, God has designed his church to function like a loving family that each and every one of us can invite people into. The church is a place that exists for the purpose of bringing the spiritually dead to life and then helping people grow and mature from being spiritual infants to being spiritual young adults and spiritual parents I don't think Jesus ever intended for any of us to just come and fill a seat on Sunday morning. However, that is what many spiritual infants believe. They don't get invested or involved in the ministry or the life of the church. They don't give of their time or they don't give of their resources. No, in fact, maybe a good definition of spiritual infants are that they are consumers. What can the church do for me? But listen, this is not their fault they don't know any better remember we're talking about infants here they're just babies and let's face it a baby has it made it just does you know constant care around the clock never lifting a finger to do anything getting a meal maybe every time they cry and everybody ooze and aahs over them constantly now this is a mindset of spiritual infants it's about them It's about their needs. It's about how can the church take care of them. And then it's about having those needs met. They don't realize that they're supposed to be involved and invested in the life and the ministry of the church. Now, I want you to understand, I'm I'm not bashing spiritual infants this morning. In fact, I love babies. Because babies are always beautiful, (laughs) even when they're ugly. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Everybody loves babies. But the problem is this, nobody thinks it's cute when a person remains a baby for too long. You know, if a small child never learns to walk and talk, never figures out how to feed themselves, never outgrows the need for diapers, it's a sign that there is something terribly wrong. If your baby were to ever stop growing up into maturity, you would probably call it a tragedy. And in fact, if your teenagers were still acting as immature as they were before they turned two, which many of them probably are, you know, you'd be looking for professional help. Why? Well, even though we all love babies, we still expect for every baby to grow up. When God calls us to be as children, we all start out here. We all start out as spiritual infants. It's unavoidable. Remember, Jesus said last week, and we shared it even this morning in John 3, 3, that before we can ever become a part of God's family and enter heaven, we must be born again. So that's where we start. But each and every one of us must grow up. We have to grow up. In 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3, the apostle Peter writes, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, here, Peter's telling us that each and every one of us start off our Christian lives as newborn babies who need this pure milk, which is the word of God. This is the spiritual starting point for each and every one of us. We need to understand and get invested in God's word. But then, listen, listen to what he says here. He says that by God's word... By this, we will grow up. God does not want any of his children to remain infant-like forever. Just like every earthly father, our heavenly father wants to see his children grow, to become healthy. Specifically, God wants us to grow up and to mature by continually becoming more like his son, Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews, I also addresses this. If we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, the writer here says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I feel like this writer is clearly rebuking those who should be mature in their faith by this time, and they should be mature in their understanding of God's word, but they are still just drinking milk in their faith. This is quite a different tone from the passage that we just read in 1 Peter. Peter says newborn babies should crave spiritual milk, but this passage says that we need to move on. We mean we need to move on to the real meat of things. We've got to move from milk to solid food. And the unfortunate thing is that too many followers of Christ are content to just stay where they are, sip on a little bit of milk like infants, and just stay there. But this is not God's design for us. Yeah, there is a time for being an infant, but we're not supposed to stay there. There's a time for drinking this milk, God's Word, but we're supposed to grow and we're supposed to start taking on this solid food. We're supposed to grow in our faith. We're supposed to get invested in the life of the church. We're supposed to grow. I think this is well illustrated in a book called uh, The Lost Art of Disciple Making." The author of it, Leroy Imes, he, he illustrates what it looks like to grow or maybe some of the problems that are involved when we don't grow. But he says, one spring, he says, our family was traveling from Fort Lauderdale down to Tampa, Florida, and he says, as far as the eye could see, orange trees were loaded with fruit. When we stopped for breakfast, he says, I ordered some orange juice with my eggs and The waitress told me that she was sorry. She says, I can't bring you orange juice because our orange juice machine is broken. He says, I was completely dumbfounded. He says, here we were surrounded by millions of oranges. He said, in fact, the plate I was eating my food off of was uh, garnished with orange slices. We were surrounded by thousands of gallons of orange juice, but we couldn't have any because the restaurant was dependent upon the machine to get it. And then he writes this. He says, Christians are sometimes like that. They are surrounded by Bibles, but they couldn't get to a Sunday morning. But I'm sorry. But if they could not get to a Sunday morning preaching service, they would have no nourishment for their souls. The problem is not a lack of spiritual food. He says it is that many Christians haven't grown enough to know how to get it for themselves. So they need to be trained. This is what we have to be aware of if we're more mature, that these young spiritual infants, they need to be trained, they need to be discipled. And this is where all of us who are more mature in our faith can play our part. And to show you what I mean, I want to go back to that passage we've looked at already in Ephesians 4, and I want to kind of break it down verse by verse, if I could kind of help us along this morning. In verse 11 and 12, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, did you notice here how it says it's the job of evangelists and pastors? Listen carefully. It's our job to equip God's people for works of service. So as a pastor, it's our job to equip God's people for work of service now let's compare God's job description to the stereotype pastor that is found in our culture who's expected to preach lead administrate visit marry people bury people care and counsel them in many people's minds the lead pastor is supposed to be the one solely responsible for doing all the ministry of the church that he should be responsible for putting out all the fires, for oiling all the squeaky wheels, for solving all the problems that may arise. But I think that's backwards. When we look at Ephesians 4.12, I think it's made very clear to us that a pastor's main role is to equip and prepare God's people in how to do the work of ministry. How? Well, by training the members, training the members to meet each other's need. So my primary job and the primary job of all of our other pastors as well is to help you grow spiritually so that you will be willing and able to do the ministry of the church. It's like you pay us to get you to do the work. You know, we find further proof of what, that this is what God expects if we flip back over to 1 Peter chapter 2 that we looked at earlier. We looked at verses 2 and 3, but I want to look at verse 9 now and, and look at what it says, and let this be an encouragement to you. Peter writes, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you are a believer, then you are a priest. Maybe you just see yourself as a regular Christian, but God sees you as part of a holy and royal priesthood. What this means is that God gives you the authority to do ministry. I mean, how exciting is that? God does not see you as like some second-class Christian that has to keep your mouth shut. No, God believes and calls you to be a minister. We have an entire congregation here full of ministers this morning, and that includes you, each and every one of us. You know, looking back at this passage in Ephesians 4, did you see why God does equip his people, including you and me, for his works of service? And In the second part of 12 and 13, it says this. It says, So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, wouldn't you agree with me that maturity does not happen overnight? Maturity takes time. You know, I once heard it said that, that God can grow a squash in around three months, but God is not interested in growing Christian squashes, okay? No, I truly believe that God is more interested in growing Christian oak trees who are tall and who are strong, and who can stand the test of time. And this process, it sometimes requires many, many years. It takes time to practice, to practice what we've learned and then really be able to claim what we believe and really be able to claim what we know as disciples of Christ. So what does maturity look like? What kind of picture should we get in our mind for how we should see maturity? And I think it's this. I think it looks like Jesus. I believe maturity looks like Jesus. If we're growing in maturity, our character is becoming shaped more every day to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And God's goal through this is that through our mutual ministry to each other, we will grow to become more like his son. But why? Why do we need to grow up spiritually? I mean, it it sounds really good to me to just stay right here, to be an infant, to let the church just take care of me, to have every need I, I have be taken care of. But I think Paul puts it this way. In answer to our question in verse 14, he says, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So Paul, Paul right here, he characterizes these baby Christians, these, these infants in the faith, as those who are being tossed back and forth by every wave. On the other hand, mature Christians, mature Christians, they're resolute and they're determined in what they believe. Spiritual infants are also gullible. They're blown here and there by every wind of teaching. But mature Christians, they're more grounded and steady and rooted in the truth of God's word. Spiritual infants are easily deceived. They're led astray by the cunning and the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Spiritual parents, however, they're discerning and they're cautious when it comes to how they study the scriptures for themselves. I hope you can see a contrast here this morning. Because if I'm going to be honest If I'm going to be clearly transparent with you this morning, I've seen a lot of spiritual immaturity in the church lately. People who I respect, people who I really truly believe thought were spiritually mature have been making a lot of infant-like decisions. I've been hearing a lot of infant-like things coming from the mouths of Christians. They've allowed themselves to be deceived. They've allowed the things of this world to sway them. They've listened to the teachings of man rather than being obedient to the teachings of God. In fact, I think these past few months, I think they've really revealed to me where a lot of us are in our spiritual growth. And a lot of us, unfortunately, we are right here. When I look at what I see, when I I know what the characteristics are, it kind of blows my mind, and so my prayer for all of us My prayer for each and every single one of us is that God will convict us, that God will convict us to quit acting like spiritual babies and to grow up into maturity, to get serious about the work of God, to be serious about the lost souls that are surrounding us in our church and in our communities maybe in our own homes, maybe in our places of work, that we grow up and we get serious about these things. And so the question becomes, do you want to grow? Do you want to grow up or are you content to just keep drinking milk? God's calling us on to something better, so how do we do it? What is involved with God's ongoing plan for our spiritual growth and, and for maturity as His children? Well, in Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. And so what I see here in these verses is I believe we do it together. We do it as a community We do it through fellowship and through speaking the truth to each other in love, through discipleship. And some of us this morning, we have to make the decision. We have to make the decision if we want to become more closely connected in fellowship and discipleship with other members of the church body. And for some of us, hopefully it starts today. Some of us, we need to make the decision to be willing to do our part and invest, invest in the life and the ministry of BCC. Starting today, I believe that one of the reasons that God has each and every one of us here at BCC is that he wants us to grow to become more mature through the process of serving and discipling others. God wants us to grow those who are spiritual infants. He wants them to grow into spiritual young adults and spiritual parents themselves. I believe that's our purpose. I believe that's why we're here. I believe it's to grow baby Christians into mature Christians. So if we're going to do this, if we're going to be able to minister to the body of Christ and we're going to be able to lead them on to spiritual maturity, again, specifically those this morning who are in this spiritual infant growth stage, it's important to know and to recognize what the characteristics of this stage, this infant stage are. And so according to Putman's book, a spiritual infant is characterized by the word ignorance. I hope that doesn't sound harsh but they just don't know much about their faith. They're rookies in this, they're novices, they don't they don't know everything scripture says yet. They're also confused about their new faith. They're dependent on those who are more mature in their faith to bring them along as well. So the beliefs and the values, the attitudes and behaviors that we see as a part of a spiritual infant, infant include these things. Ignorance about what they need spiritually and what the Bible says about life and the purpose of a Christian. There's also ignorance about or frustration towards Christianity and the, in, in the church. I'm sorry. They also believe that, you know, Christians make no mistakes. And I don't know about you, but I think I make a few from time to time. So young Christians, infant Christians, they have an unrealistic expectation of not only themselves, but other people. And this is why so many times in this group we hear, well, Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Because they don't realize, yes, we we still make mistakes. Sometimes um, there's a worldly perspective that they have about life that, basically mixes a little bit of spiritual truth in with it, but they're still mostly listening to what the world has to say. And sometimes they mix Christianity right along with other world religions, but they really don't know that that's what's happening. They don't realize that they're doing that. Now, some of the things that you might hear spoken by a spiritual infant to kind of reveal who they are would be these things. You know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You know, I gave my life to Jesus and I go to church, but I just don't need to be close to other people. I don't have time to be in a relationship with other believers. I pray and I read my Bible and and that's good enough for me. My ministry is my secular work. I I don't have time for the church. And you know what? I I didn't realize that the Bible said that. These are things that sometimes spiritual infants say. Because more often than not, a spiritual infant has very little Bible knowledge yet. Again, this is a first step for them. However, it is possible for spiritual infants to actually know a lot of Scripture. There are many spiritual infants who have sat through a lot of sermons. They could probably tell you a lot of things biblically. But they grow very little in their faith because no one guides them through the process. So these Christians, they remain spiritual infants because they miss the point of the gospel, which is a relationship with God that leads us to a relationship with others. Putman writes, he says, I believe that most American Christians are stuck in this stage because they were converted and then they were allowed to stay in the nursery. When spiritual infants stick around long enough, he says, to become a part of church culture, they can pick up the Christian lingo. They can eventually even mimic the behaviors of more mature believers, at least while they're in public. He says, when this is the case, there's little substance or depth behind their words or their actions. They will do the quotation mark right things, but they will look mature and it'll only be for the wrong reasons. As soon as life gets tough, which it will, infants will simply wither away and walk right out the back door of the church. Until then, the church becomes a pageant for them. It's a place that they can Put on a perfect face so that they look just like everyone else, but inside their lives are empty. I don't know if you feel this way this morning, but chances are if some of the things that were said are things that you've said, some of the characteristics are things that you see in your own life, you could be an infant. And remember, that's okay. There's not a knock. We all have to start somewhere, but we have to get connected with other believers who can help grow us and mature us in our faith. We can't do it alone. So what does an infant need to do to move on to the next stage of spiritual growth? Well, like I said, we're gonna kind of talk about this next week, but I don't wanna leave you hanging, so I'm gonna give you a few things. If you wanna move on to become a spiritual child, this is what you need to do. You need to attend church weekly no more of this i i can come to church once a once a month or twice a month and feel okay no if you truly want to grow if you truly want to invest in the lives of others if you truly want to grow yourself you have to be here you have to be a part of the family you have to be a part of the fellowship you need to regularly read your bible you need to be in it each day you need to be consuming the word of god and allow it to change you from the inside out you need to invest in a prayer life you need to share your faith yes even infants can share why because they're the most passionate it's the newest and the freshest to them they're excited that God has brought them from death to life so many of us who might even be up in the spiritual parent stage have maybe forgot what that was like maybe we've lost that passion maybe we're going through the motions because we believe in them but we've lost the passion that an infant has but an infant needs to tithe an infant needs to put off sin and forgive other people to serve others and to serve the church. They need to discern what they're putting into their mind through media and through social media. They need to avoid temptation. They need to redirect their thought life. They need to get involved in a life group and allow themselves to be discipled. And listen, there might be some of you here this morning who think that you might be out of this stage you think you might be a parent or you think you might be uh, uh, you know, just a, a young adult by now, but the truth of the matter is, if you have this morning said, yes, this kind of defines me or I find myself doing this, or listen, I just gave you the elementary teachings of what it means to be a Christian. That's what this list was. These are elementary things. These are for infants and children. If you're not doing these things, if you can't check this list off and say this is what I'm doing, then you might really need to understand that this might be where you're at. And it's okay, but you need to grow. It's not okay for you to be here in a month or two months. You need to start growing and you need to start today. Because each and every one of these things though, if you are mature and you know you're mature, these things have to be taught. Remember, these are infants, they don't know any better. We need to start allowing them to see us as mature disciple makers living a discipleship lifestyle. They need to see us out there doing things so that they themselves can imitate those behaviors. But they also need to have someone personally sit down with them, someone who is more mature in the faith, and allow them to come along beside them and show them the way. If it wasn't for spiritual mentors in my life, can I just tell you I don't know where I'd be today if it wasn't for people who just took an interest and said, Barry, I want you to grow. It's time to become something other than a spiritual infant. Gosh, I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you what it means to me. We need to become able to come along the side of others. And like I said, we're going to look at this more next week. We're going to continue to look at the spiritual needs of a spiritual infant. More importantly, we're going to look at their spiritual growth needs. What do they need to grow? And how can each one of us come along and be a part of that growth? So listen, I want to invite you to be back next Sunday. Because again, I think being here every week is something that is elementary. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. And I thank you for your son, Jesus. God, I thank you for infants. I thank you for their passion, God. I thank you that they are still in the honeymoon period, that things are fresh and things are new, and God, that they understand this change that has taken place from death to life. God, they can be your biggest cheerleaders and your biggest, you know... uh, evangelists, but the issue is they just, they don't know where to disciple people or take people from there because they need to be discipled themselves. And so, Father, help us understand this as a church. Help us understand that we're all a royal priesthood, that we're all ministers, that we're all called to share your word with those around us, that we're all supposed to take somebody and help disciple them. So, Father, just put that person in our heart, and God, give us the courage, give us the strength, and give us the knowledge to be able to do to do that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.